Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, now, actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't no man. Chad. You got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's... The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Equally with the president, he's probably the worst president in the history of our country. Oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, not again. I learned to lead from Mandela. You could never check me. Back to back like my terms in office, they couldn't get me. Back to back like two duelers that's about to take ten paces. Back to back like Trump's divorces, I said it, now face it, oh. I think she's important because of its riches. So when I look back, I might be mad that I gave this attention. Uh, but it's weighing heavy on my conscience. And now here comes the man straight out of Washington. Uh, I'm convinced that this man is a straight insane. I should have let you the vision hold short debate. Uh, you gon' make me buy bottles for John McCain. You gon' make me go buy you a new toupee. I heard there's a price tag on your back. I'd be more concerned where El Chapo's at. I'm not sure what it was that really made you mad. But you can't diss Mexicans and try to take that back. I mean, whoa. I can't fold my country, man. They know us. I wrote these bars while my show gave me a show. Ten oh four here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I'm late to my own show. How about that? I'm sure by now you've heard the uh, POTUS diss, POTUS Trump diss. That might be the very thing that knocks in this day and age. Okay, in this day and age in which we live in, that very well might be the thing that knocks Trump out of the uh, presidential campaign race, whatever you want to call this thing, this hodgepodge. I've not. Uh, liked any of the debates so far. The uh, Republican debates looks like a Royal Rumble from WWE. You're just wondering when someone's going to slide under the bottom rope and take someone out, knock someone right off the podium. That's what I'm sitting here waiting for. And then I watched the uh, Democratic debate the other day, and I had a hard time deciphering between that and a Saturday Night Live skit. It's what it looked like to me. Welcome to America, folks. We have a campaign coming. Not sure who to vote for? It's okay. The rest of us are like that as well. 
Not sure where the hell we're going with that. But let me not get all political today. We've got some things coming up here on the show because this is the Gridiron Stud Show. We are going to talk some football today. We'll talk a little NFL. We'll talk some college football. And as we always do on Thursday, I will have my Gator guy, Nick Delatore, joining me at the bottom of the hour. And at the top of the next hour, Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation will join me to talk Florida State football. Florida State fresh off of the in-state rivalry win over the University of Miami. I'm sure Bud will be full of confidence, happiness, cockiness, etc. Well, Bud doesn't need a win to uh, be cocky, just cocky by nature. And I mean that in a good sense. Guy's pretty confident. You got to like that. And uh, we love having him on the show. So he'll be here to talk a little bit of the uh, rivalry, plus what's up next for Florida State as they take on Louisville, a dangerous game for Florida State. Uh, Certainly a game that they could lose if they don't come correct, as they say. So we'll talk about that. And uh, it's been a boring week in Gainesville, hasn't it? It's not like anyone's been suspended for the year, like the quarterback, and that there hasn't been an arrest. We'll touch on those things, but uh, we'll focus a little bit more on what lies ahead for the Florida Gators, which is a big-time showdown with the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge at night, I might add. I always wanted to play a night game at LSU when I was at the University of Miami. There were two two games I wanted at the University of Miami, and that was a night game at LSU, and I wanted to play Notre Dame in South Bend. Neither one of those things happened. Instead, I got games at West Virginia where it was 12 degrees outside and you had bareback hillbillies yelling at you. That's what I got instead. Had that one year. Wasn't even able to play in that game. I was injured that year. And, you know, what I was that year was the guy that held everyone's jewelry because no one uh, trusted the locker room enough. And, you know, it was 1993. And uh, it was... It was a it was a big time for jewelry back then, neck pieces. But everyone had one, and so I would go into games that season because I you know only played the first game that year and then got injured and took a red shirt. So I would go into games, and I'd have everyone's neck piece around my neck. So I'm talking serious, Mr. T junk. It was funny. Uh, I'd have about a good 15, 20 necklaces around my neck. I'd be wearing people's rings. It was so University of Miami at the time. And guys would take pictures of me. I wish to God I could have one of those pictures right now. Just didn't have the foresight. But I'd give anything to see one of those pictures that were taken of me with 20 chains around my neck and uh, everyone's rings on, standing on the sidelines watching a game. So... Uh, we go play West Virginia in 1993 on the road there. It is a uh, it's the coldest game I've ever been around. And I say 12 degrees, but I do believe it was under under 10 degrees at night. I want to say 7 degrees, something like that. Ungodly cold in West Virginia that night. And they happened to beat us in that game. So I'm on the sidelines. I've got a trench coat on and 20-plus uh, necklaces around my neck i probably have a ring on every finger and they were championship rings because uh, you know any of, the, any of the guys that were on the 1991 team that decided to wear their ring uh, handed them to me and so a ring on every finger 20 plus chains around my neck and a trench coat watching this game 
and they beat us in last-minute fashion. And, of course, uh, you don't need a reason when you're a drunk hillbilly out in West Virginia to run on the field, but they had a damn good reason, and they start rushing the field. And I realize I've got, I don't know, several thousand dollars around my neck and invaluable amounts of jewelry on my fingers. And so I start trying to hightail it to the uh, to the locker room. And uh, these guys are running on the field, and I just got worried about it. Somewhere on my way to the locker room, I realized these hillbillies who are bareback are not really in the not really in the neck pieces, so I think I'm safe. Nevertheless, I hustled it in, and it was just that kind of night. So not an LSU, not a Notre Dame, got good old Morgantown, West Virginia. That's what we got. But you got to love college football. Each place is unique. The traditions, the town, all all very unique. It's not a cookie-cutter league. So uh, we've got some, you know, every week we've got something big coming up. Big time matchups, and there's no shortage of that this week. As I said, Florida's taking on LSU, but it doesn't just stop there. You know, University of Miami's taking on Virginia Tech. Florida State, as I said, has Louisville. These are all good games, but you also have some major matchup matchups going on. Michigan and Michigan State, which is where ESPN College Football Game Day is going to be this week. That's going to be very interesting. Alabama and Texas A&M, a fight for Western supremacy in the SEC. Got that coming up. So that's one of the big games. West Virginia and Baylor, the aforementioned West Virginia, who's a big underdog in that game, but got that one coming up. USC and Notre Dame, what is USC going to do? They've They've had quite the week off the field. Can they get their act together as they go take on Notre Dame? That's just some of the big matchups you got coming up in college football this weekend. And uh, certainly looking forward to seeing how all those games unfold. I will be, though I didn't get a chance to play in a night game at LSU, I will be attending one this weekend as I will be live and in color in Baton Rouge on Saturday night as the Gators try to keep their winning ways. LSU tries to uh, remain undefeated as well. It's Fournette against one of the top defenses in the country. There's been some a little bit of back and forth. I hate what the media does. Jonathan Bullard, defensive lineman for Florida, is asked questions as you are every week by the press. You know, they do the pre the pregame press conference. And so they ask you questions about your opponent. And Jonathan Bullard answers questions about Leonard Fournette, because obviously that's going to be a topic this week. You're playing the Heisman Trophy front runner, So he answers the questions, and the first thing he does is give Leonard Fournette all types of credit for the kind of back that he is. You can't not give credit to Leonard Fournette. And so... He gives a full statement on Leonard Fournette. And somewhere in the statement, he says, it's nothing that we can't stop. I mean, what do you want the guy to say? 
oh man, there's nothing we could do with Leonard Fournette. We fully expect him to just run all over us. And I don't know how we're going to stop him. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, have you seen the Florida defense? They're playing really great football right now. So he's confident, just like LSU's confident about their back. So he's going to speak on that confidence. But somewhere within that long, you know, the the quote that he had, the question that he answered, which was very, very complimentary to Leonard Fournette and LSU, he says in there he's nothing we can't stop. That's something I would have said if I'm playing on a top defense. Hell, that's something I would have said even if I wasn't playing on a top defense. You have to play this game with confidence. But in this day and age in which we live in, they go through the media, dissect the statement, look for something that can be clickbait, something that will get people riled up, something that could turn into a trending topic on social media because that's all we're worth anymore in this country, and they find it. And it's that one sentence in his statement. He's nothing that we can't stop. And so now if you go and search John Bullard's statement, you can't get any of the other stuff that he said. You're going to be slammed with that quote, nothing we can't stop. And that's how people are trying to get their clicks. And every little slap blog that's out there, every little stupid website that calls themselves a reporting website is trying to get people to come and click and go to their website so you can look at their ridiculous, stupid ads by putting nothing that we can't stop. Disgust me about our media nowadays. That's all we've boiled down to. You have to swim through so much piss to get to what's real nowadays that it's it's amazing you can lose a lot of time just trying to find the truth you still got people thinking that matt barnes drove 95 miles to go slap Derek fisher upside his head because it just seems so much more interesting to say that but the reality is he lives 15 minutes away from the x and that's how far he drove to go find out what's up with his kids But search it, you're still seeing he drove 95 miles to go get in that altercation with Derek Fisher. And I'm telling you, this is all our media is about nowadays. It is more important to grab your attention, because we have no attention span at all anymore. We can't read past 140 characters. We can't pay attention to your newscast for more than two and a half minutes. We just can't pay attention to anything. We can't take our face out of our phones for more than two and a half minutes. So if you don't catch our attention, so be it. And as we scroll through our social media accounts and our timelines, we can't hold on any particular news story for more than, what, 60 seconds? And that's provided that it's noteworthy. So these quote-unquote news outlets that we have now realize that They're trying to appeal to a person that's scrolling through a timeline in which there may be a hundred plus items that a person needs to go through in a designated amount of time. And the only way to stop your thumb from flying across that phone is to say something outrageous, 95 miles, drives 95 miles to beat up Derek Fisher. 
Burnett is nothing we can't stop. So now we're in a position where, quote-unquote, media has to be inflammatory to stop your thumb from scrolling through your timeline, to get you to stop on that story, to click that link, to get you to their website so they can report their page numbers, their page hits. That's your media now. We have had a complete influx of fake news websites. I can't tell you how many times I've been on Facebook and I've seen blatantly fake news stories posted to someone's page with full-out comments about the fake news as people believe it. And they're drawing conclusions about a person's character and their state of mind based off of a blatantly fake news story. And so that's another way now to get people to a website. Quite frankly, that's where a lot of these places are getting the clicks. It is by having a fake news website. And when you have a fake news website and it's and you, in a small way, present it as such, maybe there's a small notice somewhere on the website that says this is fake news, you know, of course, to keep you out of the legal trouble. You can be as inflammatory as you want with your headlines. And you can be as ridiculous as you want in the content of your news story. And the headlines will grab someone and stop them from scrolling through their timeline, get them to click the link, and bam, the moment you land on that website, that counts as a page view. And now that's something they could turn around and sell to an advertiser. And so it's hard now for you to decipher what is the fake news story what is the real news story? Because the quote-unquote, some of these quote-unquote real news stories are st- are so much like the fake news stories. And man, you got to do a lot of scrolling. You got to hit a lot of websites before you can find out what actually happened. For some reason, I did I did the work to find out that Matt Barnes was only 15 minutes away. It took me a while to find that out. I had to wade through all the other garbage that said he drove 95 miles. And so that's the world that we live in, and celebrities are under attack. And I'm telling you the next one that's going to go down is that Ronda Rousey. It's Ronda Rousey every day. Everything she says is news. It's front-page news. It's at the top of the digital websites like ESPN. Everything she says, everything she does is at is news, newsworthy. And I'm telling you, at some point, the media is going to get tired of her being shown in good light. And they're just waiting for any small slip-up by Ronda Rousey. And I'm telling you, they're going to beat her down. The higher they put you up, the harder they're going to beat you down. And if she ever slips up, God forbid if anyone says there's a sex tape out there on her. Now, mind you, whoever that is that says that is probably going to find themselves in an arm bar and a shoulder dislodged. But anything disparaging. She gets loud with someone at Subway. I don't care what it is. She gets in a fender bender and puts someone in a chokehold. They are going to go nuts on Ronda Rousey. I promise you it's coming. And that's your media that we deal with in this day and age. Before I go to the break, let me run out to the phone lines. Les, what's going on? 
You listen to you got stuff to say today. Not really, man. Uh, you know Ronda Rousey's next, right? You know that. You know they. You know they're just waiting to take her down, because she's in the news every damn day, and that's going to get boring. Well, that's how the media is. They build you up, and then they try to break you down. Did you know before you were listening to me just now that Matt Barnes only drove 15 minutes to go see no, to go check first, on his kids? That's the, first time, that's the first time me hearing that one. Yeah, Derek, isn't that Derek something? Didn't look like he was beat up, though. I mean, if you beat him up from the backyard to the living room. Yeah, I mean, you're saying he did look beat up or didn't? He did not. Yeah, you know, this probably was just some kind of shoving match in harsh words, but that's not going to get me to click on your website. I got to say that there was a beatdown going on. And there's no fact-checking going on anymore. It's not anything like when we were, you know, kids or teenagers. People used to fact-check so that when people uh, read the story, they would know exactly what went on. Duh, to hell with that. You got to get the story out now. So if they said he was drugged from the back to the front, you got to print that quick. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm just so fed up with our media. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Hey, man, we got some big college football games. I'm not asking you for any picks. Let me ask you this question, and I'm probably going to get the obvious answer here. What college football game are you really looking forward to seeing this weekend? Well, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta march down Ann Arbor and put our foot in some of these uh, these water water beard animals. Mm. Yeah, well, who are you pulling for in that one? As a fan. <laughs> well, if I'm a in shape muscular man with good abs, I step on rodents. <laughs> uh we'll try to figure out that one. We'll try to decode that one. Maybe the decoder somewhere in someone's cereal box, but help Sparty, us out. Sparty Sparty. You're going for Sparty, huh? Uh, Um, In Detroit, I'm just asking, in in the city of Detroit, which is where you hail from, are people more Michigan State or are they more Michigan? And and, and why, for whichever one it is, they're more on. Well, if you grew up like me, all you've seen on Saturdays is the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And then uh, once reality set in and you realize you're a black young man and there's an opportunity for you to be a Michigan State woman become a Spartan. And uh, mm-hmm. as as I went to Michigan State my freshman year, it was an enjoyable experience, and I felt at home. So, I mean, I like Michigan State. Mm-hmm. But the but, city of Detroit, more <laughs> more Michigan State, they figure what, Michigan State more blue-collar than Michigan? What are most of Absolutely. the Detroiters like? Is that what Absolutely. it is? Absolutely. Mich- Michigan State, yes. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting all, to see what happens. All, all the old folks like Michigan. All the young folks like Michigan State. Is like that how it works? White, well, maybe green and white. Yeah. Well, you know, all the folks. Uh, you know, Michigan had some some golden some eras back then, and you know, you had the coaches, you had the Bo Schembechlers of the world, and so uh, I could see them attaching themselves to that little bit of legend and legacy there. So that's uh, that's that's understandable. So. Uh, the city of the state of Michigan is going to be decided uh, this weekend. So, hey man, thanks for calling into the show. I got to take a break. When I get back, I'll jump into some more college football, man. But appreciate you calling in. All right, bro. All right, man. Have a good. 
All right, we need to head out on a break. When I get back, more college football talk here on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Kevin, you talked about people saying, oh, how are you possibly going to get ready for this game? And, and I know as unfair as that term has been in the way it's been applied to, to Clemson, the whole Clemsoning thing and losing games you're not supposed to, how does this team kind of approach that differently in, in your mind? Is it a matter of, like you said, that, that you're focused one game at a time, or is it a matter that they don't even think about it anymore? Well, I think it's ridiculous that you're even asking me that question. I that you even say the word. I mean, I'm serious. I'm sick of it. I don't even know why we even bring up the dadgum word. How about some of these other teams out there that lose to unranked opponents all the time? That's our 33rd win versus unranked opponent. We ain't lost to anybody unranked since 2011, but I have to come to a press conference in 2015 and get asked that. And that's all media bull crap. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Should not be asked that question. Period. That's how we feel about it. This football team right here has earned the respect. Ain't nobody giving us anything. Not one ounce of anything. They've earned everything they got. And when I have to turn on the TV... Debo Sweeney, tired of the term, Clemsoning, so sick of it. The fact that he got that hot about it... Tells me that he's probably going to get that a little bit more. They're just they're going to want to squeeze a little bit more out of Dabo Sweeney and see if he can just absolutely positively lose his complete mind. I mean, he got a little hot there. They want to see how much hotter he's going to get. It's going to take some punk reporter in a post game press conference to uh, try pushing that button again and seeing what they can get. Because hey, they need to they need to grab your attention out there. Well, Clemson's up again this week, and they've got uh, another unranked opponent. It's Boston College. Not an easy team to take on. Now, Boston College's big problem 
is offense, but they'll play some damn good defense, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how well they can play defense against a, a Clemson team that knows how to move the football and find the end zone. Boston College has uh, held their last three opponents in total. In total, only 26 points has been scored on Boston College over the last three weeks. No one, nobody has scored more than 14 points on Boston College this year. You would think that would equate into a winning record, but it hasn't. They're 3-3 three and because three, just as much as they stop teams from scoring, they stop themselves from scoring. Boston College has been shut out twice this year. They've scored less than 10 points three times. And in their last three games, they've only scored a total of 24 points, including, including, I don't know, if, if you go out to a college football game, all right, you tailgate, you spend all some money, God forbid if you had to fly into town. You know, anytime you go to a college football game, whether it's by yourself or with a group of people, you're going to spend some money. So you go spend yourself a good amount of money. You take a little chunk out of your, your pay, whatever you saved, and you go watch a football game, and you get treated to what you got treated to last week at Chestnut Hill out there in Boston College, which was a 3 to nothing victory for Wake Forest. I mean, give me your level of math. Are you a 10? I mean, that was a home game for Boston College. And for the second time in a game, they were shut out. But in this game, their defense held the opposition to three points and lost the game. I mean, that contest had a 1922 feel to it. In this day and age, where you've got Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech and West Virginia and Western Kentucky putting up 50 points at halftime and totaling yardage that's like mileage that can get you from Florida all the way to California putting up between, you know, with these Big 12 contests, they're putting up 1,200 and 1,300 total yards. You get a game between Boston College and Wake Forest that's three to nothing. Now, I love defense like the next guy, or maybe not the next guy because everyone loves offense now. I love defense. I love to see people running around, getting after it, hitting people. I love that. But not even I want to see a three to nothing football game. That looked like a Wednesday afternoon National League baseball game. Wake Forest rushed for 33 yards and won the football game. Wake Forest had 142 yards of total offense and won the football game. Amazing stuff there. But again, one of... uh, a handful of uh, things that we need to talk about here on the show. We've got some good matchups, again, coming up this weekend. Michigan and Michigan State. Can Michigan continue to play lights-out defense? I don't know. Is anyone paying attention? That is the number one defense in the country. Going into that game with Northwestern, some people thought that things would be tight in that contest. Thought it would be a pretty good matchup. Oh, man, didn't turn out to be that. A complete drubbing. Michigan handed out their third straight donut. And these aren't slap lower-level FBS or even FCS teams that they've shut out. They shut out BYU. Yes, who's without their big play quarterback. But BYU's been playing good football this year. They shut out a conference foe in Maryland at their place. 
And then they shut out Northwestern, who was a ranked opponent. And what I, I want to say is ranked higher than Michigan. I believe Northwestern came into the game ranked 13th, Michigan 18th. And Northwest, uh, Michigan, like, no problem. Michigan has held five straight opponents under 100 yards rushing. And four out of their last five games, they've amassed over 200 yards rushing. And the one game in which they didn't, it was against Maryland. They rushed for 198. Now, I've been saying this. A good running game helps your defense. And defense wins championships. I mean, you people need to get on that train. You offensive lovers, you fantasy football players that think it's all about throwing a ball all over the place, hey, I like a good pass offense. But if you want to be like these Baylors and TCUs and throw the ball 60 times a game, when you run into the Michigans of the world, you're going to have a serious problem. But Michigan is getting it done. Flat out. They're going to dominate you at the line of scrimmage. And is Michigan State ready for that? I don't know. Now, my co-host and I tomorrow are going to, you know, go through and give our picks. I'm not, I don't have a pick on Michigan, Michigan State, so I'm free to talk about this. I don't know if Michigan State's up for this challenge. They struggle at Rutgers, struggle with Purdue. I mean, their whole season's just been a struggle. Oregon was a struggle. Oregon's not good, folks. They're not. So that, you know, exciting win early in the year doesn't look as good. And this game is in Ann Arbor. And you just, I don't care who you are, you can be an Ohio State fan. You have to be impressed with what Michigan is doing right now. They're beating people up front, beating people up. Northwestern managed 168 yards of offense. Week before that, Maryland, in their place, 105 total yards of offense. And Michigan forced three turnovers in that game. People better start watching out for good old Michigan. Okay, you better better figure it out. And if you're those if you're that team to the south, Ohio State, that uh November twenty eighth matchup, it's not looking like the cakewalk you may have thought it was. You better start shaking in your boots there a little bit. And I'm talking about Ohio State, who themselves have struggled through this season. I can't wait for that game. I hope both teams are still undefeated when that game comes down because I want to see undefeated Michigan take on Ohio State. I want to see what Michigan can do against that Ohio State offense. University of Miami is back on the field this weekend as they uh, take on Virginia Tech. We all know what it's been for Miami over the past few years after they've lost the Florida State game. This game comes a little earlier in the year, so that might be a reprieve for Miami. Because what's happened in past years is gotten into the schedule and maybe Miami's had a loss or a couple of losses going into the game, and it really just all came down to this Florida State game as determining whether or not they can get to the ACC championship game. That's kind of what's been on the line there. It's been a measuring stick for their whole season as they've gone through more games than they've done this year. I think Miami receives a blessing by getting this game earlier because you're not trying to quit on your season only five games into it. 
So there is a blessing here that this Florida State game happened when it did. I don't know if there are any moral victories. By almost beating Florida State for a second straight year at their place. I don't know about that. We'll find out. What I do know is Virginia Tech is not the old-time Virginia Tech. And Miami dominated this team last year because Virginia Tech couldn't put up any kind of offense. They're having those same kind of struggles again. Virginia Tech has lost two of their last three. They have heart. They've had uh, they've had some problems stopping the run. So it would be in Miami's interest after their last game, in which they could only amass 20 yards rushing against Florida State. It would be in their best interest to come out in a physical nature, looking to crank up that running game just to get things going. Because Virginia Tech has given up 150-plus yards rushing in three straight games, not what you're used to seeing with Virginia Tech. However, with their offense struggling, teams are getting a longer look at that defense. And uh, this game is going to be in Miami. We're going to be wondering what kind of crowd we're going to get at Sun Life Stadium. We know how fair weather Fans can be down here. Sun Life Stadium has been anything but life for both franchises down here, and I'm talking University of Miami as well as the Miami Dolphins. It has paled in comparison to the old Orange Bowl. So what kind of uh, attendance are we going to get to this football game? But Miami's got to clean things up on defense. 248 yards rushing for Florida State. It is the second game this year in which Miami's given up 200-plus yards rushing. It's been the hallmark of this defense and the golden era. Just not playing well on defense, and in particular, not being able to stop the run. All but one opponent this year has amassed 150-plus yards rushing on the University of Miami. Talked about it earlier this year, I mean earlier this week. Florida State put up 530-something yards in total offense. Miami has not held an opponent since Bethune-Cookman. Under 300 yards total offense, under 350 yards total offense. And the amount of turnovers they've been able to force has just dwindled with each week. They forced five against Florida Atlantic, which was key in the in the 24-point win. Forced three against Nebraska, then one against Cincinnati, down to zero against Florida State. What has been good, though, is Miami's not turning over the ball. Impressive there. Miami's had three out of their five games in which they have not turned the ball over. And on the season, only two turnovers for the University of Miami. So that's the positives. Again, I don't pick University of Miami games. I said last week they'd beat Florida State. I was wrong about that. Uh, I've, they've got to beat Virginia Tech. And in looking at it here, it looks like that's what's in order. If the University of Miami can't respond against Virginia Tech this week, this season is in some serious trouble. I'm going to make this prediction. Miami loses to Virginia Tech. They are going to have a sub-500 season. I'm telling you that right now. You have to respond in this game. And I would say you have to do it in a very strong way. 
You need a double-digit victory. You need your defense to come out and assert themselves. You need your defense to come out, and I'm going to say yardage-wise, points-wise, you need to play the best game that you have this year since Bethune-Cookman. In your best interest to try and hold Virginia Tech under three touchdowns. In your best interest to hold Virginia Tech at or under 300 total yards of offense. Because this is not an offensive juggernaut you've got coming in here. Just not. Virginia Tech had 100 total yards of offense against Pittsburgh. So I'm telling you right now, that problem, that graphic, that little nugget I just gave you will probably be mentioned in this game somewhere. Miami fans are going to hear about it, know about it. And if Pittsburgh held Virginia Tech to just 100 yards of total offense, and then somehow Virginia Tech comes into Miami and puts up 400-plus yards of offense, people are going to be pissed off. Guaranteed. So, again, not an offensive juggernaut coming into this game. And I think Miami's defense needs to step up, in particular their rush defense, which was embarrassed last week. It's not only that they gave up 248 yards rushing total, it's that you gave up 222 yards rushing to Dalvin Cook on 22 carries. The young man averaged 10 yards a carry. That's unheard of. So we need that unit to step up. And then we need the offensive line to assert themselves early in this ballgame. And I hope the staff realizes that that's, that's the way this game needs to go. You need to come out right now and establish that run game. Because uh, it was definitely missing last week with only 20 yards rushing. To get outrushed by 228 yards by your rival is uh, about as bad as it gets. So they need to clean that up. And I'm telling you again now, the University of Miami absolutely, positively needs to respond in this game right here, right now. Failing to do so, you fall to Virginia Tech, uh, the season's in a lot of trouble. I pay a lot of attention to those things. How do we respond to losses, how to respond to each thing that happens each week. Kind of determines what you've got character-wise on your squad. So it's beat Virginia Tech or else. And again, I'll have Peter Ariz on tomorrow to talk Canes football. We can get more into the matchup against Virginia Tech and ask some questions about the uh, Florida State game that went down last week. But uh, that's just my little two cents on it. We'll get a little bit more on uh, these matters when we get Peter Ariz on tomorrow. So that's just a quick plug for our football Friday here. As we go through, Emil Calamino and I, go through the top college football matchups, NFL matchups. We give us, we give our picks. I also talk a bunch of uh, high school football, so you high school football fans have no fear. Football Friday is also about high school football. But I will talk with Peter Ariz of Canesinsight.com about University of Miami football. But it's time to talk a little bit of Florida football. It's been an absolutely busy, 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 busy week, to say the least. And uh, it's uh, time to talk Florida football. Joining me now to talk Florida Gators football is 
none other than Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. If you're a uh, if you're a Florida Gators fan, you want to hear that song a whole bunch in Baton Rouge come Saturday night. Right or wrong on that, Nick? Right on that. Uh, you know the way LSU and Florida play, there uh, may not be a whole lot of scoring by either team, uh, especially <laughs> with these two defenses, but. Yeah, you hope you hear that one more time than you hear uh, LSU's fight song if you're a Florida Gator. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Nick, I sounded off on this at the beginning of the show. I'm totally and completely annoyed. I think, you know, in reading your tweets, you're joining me on this. I'm just so annoyed by the media asking questions of players, and John Bullard, to be exact, he gives a full statement on it. He gives pays all of the homage that you could uh, as a as a defender to your opponent that you've got coming up, and within his statement, which was full of superlatives for Leonard Fournette, he says one thing, which is what you say when you're confident, which is what you say when you play on a badass defense. Is he's nothing we can't stop, and that ends up being the whole story there. Yeah, uh, you know that's why I I, I kind of went through and I tweeted out you know the full quotes. Um, I mean. Two Florida defenders said Leonard Fournette is going to win the Heisman. You know, that's the guy they're facing this mm-hmm. week. So I don't mm-hmm. know where you get kind of bulletin board material when you're saying, hey, I think you're going to win the most prestigious award that college football mm-hmm. has to offer. Uh, it, it was definitely one portion um, of the quote. But, you know, John Bullard's a, a fourth-year senior. He's not going to say, well, you know, I think Leonard's going to run for 450 yards. We can't really do anything to stop it. We're just happy right. to be there. It's going to be cool to see a night game in, in Death Valley. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no football player goes into a game, you know, thinking that they can't stop something or that, or that they won't have success. You know, New Mexico State probably thought they were going to have success based on, you know, their game plan against Florida. That's just how you get the, the mentality you have to have as a football player playing at this level. Uh, it, it was just a, a portion of a quote tweeted out. And without context to it, without seeing the rest of it, uh, it looks bad. Yeah, um, it definitely does. And um, it's just just the media again, for which I'm a, a small part of, of which you're a bigger part of. And kudos to you for not being that kind of guy. All right, uh, there's an LSU game coming up, but we have to address some of these other things that have come up. Um, I've seen some articles out there talking about the facts um, surrounding the whole Will Greer story, event, um, and there might be some misinformation out there. As quick as you can, give us the facts on what happened with Will Greer and uh, what's going to happen with Will Greer going forward. Uh, Well, the first one, I don't know how uh, the misinformation that he gained 40 pounds since he's been in Florida. uh, I don't know how that spread like wildfire. Um, Yeah, someone put him at 215 pounds. pounds. Come on. No, no. I, I, I doubt that he's even at the 200 pounds that he's listed at. He's just a slender guy. Uh, that's his build. Uh, mm-hmm. He was skinny when I met him out in Oregon, you know, going into his mm-hmm. senior year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's just his build, just how he looks. Florida is going with the, uh, you know, he bought an over-the-counter supplement, and it has something banned. I, part of me feels bad for these kids mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in the literature that we got, the NCAA comes out and says there's no complete list of banned substances. Basically, hey, we banned so much stuff that we can't even keep track of it. So right. don't take anything. Uh, but 
when it comes down to it, 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 it falls on Will's shoulders. Um, I talked to, as the news broke, um, I have a couple friends who have played college sports. Uh, one of them played uh, baseball for FSU. He's in the majors now. And I asked him, how often do you guys get told about this to, to mm. check any kind of supplement that you're getting? He said, every day. He said, they wouldn't mm. let us buy a muscle milk from the gas station. So mm-hmm. it, it falls on Will, and I think uh, standing up there and, and you know, in front of a bunch of unfamiliar faces hacking away at, at laptops and a bunch of, uh, and a bunch of TV cameras, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's very commendable for Will. He could have easily mm-hmm. released a statement that may or may not have even been his words through the university. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Coach Mack spearheaded, he, spearheaded that, that move against that and come face it. Um, I like what he's doing in that regard. Own up to to what you've done. Really, yeah, he's really uh, making the kids accountable, whether it's yeah. you know for play on the field or, or you know stuff off the field like this. Really holding um, the guys accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you, in, you gotta you gotta love that. Yeah, Florida. So so basically, Will did come out and say like, "Hey, I unknowingly took a banned substance." So as the appeal process moves forward. That's going on this week. Florida filed their appeal on Tuesday. Uh, the committee has 48 hours to get back to them. And, and what specifically be, are they looking for in that appeal? Some people think he can come back next week if they win this appeal. What specifically are they looking for there? No. Uh, the appeal is Florida will basically make a case um, because Will, you know, came out and, and said, yeah, I, I, you know, going back, I, you know, that stuff was in whatever supplement I took. Um, Will hasn't said, and Florida believes it's a HIPAA violation for them to release that it's permission, so they haven't released it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what Florida is going to try to do is say it, it, they're looking for – this year is gone for Will Greer. Will Greer mm-hmm. won't return mm-hmm. this year. They're trying to not have him have to miss the first six games next mm-hmm. Where the ruling – not to be overturned. That he had. When I say overturned, you know, people think he'll be back, you know, for Georgia. But um, to be mitigated in that he'll serve six six games this year, and that he can return sometime next year to the field sooner. Have than you gotten the any kind of word game. as to the possibility of that happening? It it's a it's a long shot. Um, the NCAA is is, is fickle. Uh, their rule book to me doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of cases, and they mm-hmm. they haven't really shown a ton of leniency in, in cases mm-hmm. like this. I know Georgia's starting right tackle this year um, was suspended his first three years because there was an elevated hormone in his body. He's taken over a hundred tests. Um, three years. Show that it's three years. He is a senior right tackle, and this is the first year he's been able to play. Um, he's had doctors grief. tell the NCAA that it's that the the hormone is just trapped in fatty tissue. He's had surgery to remove the fatty tissue, and they didn't budge until until the test levels came back normal. Um, so wow. and, and that's that's with years of testing and doctors telling the NCAA he's not taking anything. It's just stored in his body. He can't do anything about it. So um, let's let's take a quick look at this. With that being so harsh and severe, that's. That's even crazy to just hear you say that. If they were to do anything with cutting Will Greer's sentence, I think this young man's people would go nuts. And for that reason alone, they probably are, you know, 
climbing a tall mountain trying yeah, to get it, Will Greer's eligibility restored for the beginning of next year. That's why it's, that's why the NCAA doesn't budge much because they don't want to set they've set precedents of being very strict, and they don't want to undermine that moving in, moving on moving in the future. So, um, you know what, what will happen is there'll be a teleconference. There'll be nine. Um, the committee that will hear the appeal, I think, is made up of doctors, ADs, team trainers um, from around the nation. Florida will present their case as to why they think it should be appealed on a teleconference that Will Greer and Jeremy Foley have to be um, in attendance for. Jim McElwain mm-hmm. doesn't have to be in attendance, but he will be asked to be. Um, mm-hmm. And after the after Florida presents their case, um, there will be a Q&A at which point everyone from Florida's side will be asked to uh, get off the conference call. The, the members of the committee will deliberate, um, mm-hmm. and then within 48 hours they will come down with a ruling after, after that. Well, it's good to know that they'll be you know, that, that quick with it. All right, three quick other things from this that you know, we need to, to, to wrap up and, and try to get the facts mm-hmm. on with this. Uh, Something I heard that was ridiculous, but we do need to address it. Will Florida have to vacate any wins? Tennessee fans want to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tennessee fans want to know. Uh, Tennessee fans are, are uniquely that. and strongly interested in that. Uh, I, so the I, answer I, to I, that is a, is a staunch no. Under what circumstances staunch. could Florida possibly vacate any wins as a result of this? Uh, no circumstances, because the, the way the testing is done uh, – you, you give a sample, they take that into an A sample and a B sample in case some tampering happens or, or one of the samples mm-hmm. is, is mishandled. So you have mm-hmm. two samples. So when the A sample, which takes 10 to 15 days to get tested, comes back positive, they send in for the B sample. A false mm-hmm. positive can happen. So until the B sample comes back also positive, mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. ineligible. So even if right. Florida played him against Missouri or against Ole Miss after the first positive, because the B mm-hmm. sample also takes a couple of weeks to go through, um, it's irrelevant because he's not an ineligible player until both samples have come back positive for something that is, that is banned. All right, let's so say no. Let's say the balls hearts. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Tennessee Vol fans. All right, let's assume. Let's go on this assumption because it's more likely than not that he will lose this appeal. When he comes back October of next year, what is he classified as in terms of eligibility? Um, yeah, so there was a mix-up. Originally, someone at Florida, Florida spokesman, told us that, that he would be a redshirt junior when he comes back. Right right now, he's a redshirt freshman. And the way mm-hmm. that the bylaw reads, it seems that you lose 25% of your eligibility. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he is already redshirted. So it was explained to us that he would be a redshirt junior. Um, mm-hmm. We were able to get on the phone with someone at the NCAA. Who knows uh, if, if they're even cordoned up within their own building to, mm-hmm. to give us a correct answer. But a representative of the NCAA told us, no, he will be a redshirt sophomore. He's not going to lose a full year of eligibility while also not being able to play in that year. They, The person I spoke with said, that's just ridiculous. And I felt like saying most of the things you do are ridiculous, so I don't know <laughs> what that would Yeah, well, e- ease up on that because I don't know if you'll be able to get anyone else on the phone after you insult them uh, <laughs> for, for, for things like that. But they've they've 
They've been, I've been I've been insulting the NCAA since I was a player in my in my weekly column I used to do. I would take jabs at them, and nothing's really changed over the years. Okay, here's the final one. Early Tuesday morning, uh, you know, it's it's I start getting these text messages, and all these things are coming in. Will Greer's on steroids. Uh, Will Greer rumored to be on steroids, and I'm like, what the hell is this? What what what's going on here? So, um, you know. The day went on and all the stories started coming out. Will Greer was not taking steroids. What was it that Will Greer happened to take? Real quick. Uh, it, it's it, we haven't been told. Um, you know, I through you know talking to people, I've been told you know a hundred things this week. Um, but I do um, right now. I do believe that he bought something, and you know. The problem is when you walk into a GNC, a Total Nutrition, uh, most people walk in with the thought that the person selling me this knows what they're talking about. They know mm-hmm. all of these supplements, and they don't. They're they're there to sell. Um, they're yep. not, you know, nutritionists. They're not physical trainers. They're salesmen. So they're going to tell you, hey, that's great because they need to hit a quota on that, and they have no exactly. Idea what's what's yeah. banned and what's not banned so um it, it that it, that's where it falls on the player to find out and take it to the medical staff because they have the resources to find out if it's banned keep your receipt bring it back to gnc and tell the guy's an idiot <laughs> it's banned it's not something <laughs> yeah i don't know about that one that one either but um yeah I, I i get it and you know really really tough one for them there all right another off the field incident we need to address we're not going to talk about it that long but uh, another Gator defensive back looks like he might have made his way off of the uh, roster for good. DeAndre Porter um, did not have a good Wednesday. Uh, woke up, found himself in handcuffs rather quickly. Uh, real quick, what's he been charged with, and what are the prospects of DeAndre Porter ever being a Gator again? Uh, I mean, when uh, handling some of these, you know, these cases, way too many than, than I'd like to handle covering a football team. Um, the arrest report is half the story. It's, it's only the alleged victim's story, um, so you have to keep that in mind. With that being said, uh, the arrest report, if any of it is true, DeAndre Porter can't ever play down a football for Florida again. Um, he was charged. He allegedly thought that uh, his girlfriend of almost two years, who's 10 weeks pregnant, um, was mm-hmm. sleeping with a teammate. He confronted mm-hmm. her about it. She said no. She tried to reach the teammate, and he put a, a loaded gun to her head. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to sleep. The next morning, they wake up. The argument picks back up. She's leaning against I mean, let me, stop, let me stop you right there. This has got to be one yeah. hell of a tough lady because I had a loaded gun pointed at my head. If that ever happens to me, I'm not falling asleep around that individual. No. I think that's going to be a night where I have a tough time going to bed. But go ahead, you know. Continue no, on. if that individual falls asleep, I am out of that house quickly. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm running there. faster than DeAndre Porter ever did uh, if that happens, yeah. and he's fast. But Yeah, that's, so that's not what happened. Um, they both stayed. The next morning comes, the argument picks back up, um, and according to her report um, in, the, in, the, in the arrest file, in the police report, um, She's looking down, looks up, and all of a sudden DeAndre brings the gun back out, points it in her direction, fires one shot. Um, talking to uh, – he left after that. Talking to ben, ben, ben Tobias, I asked why was there – because this happened 
September 29th, and she didn't report until Monday. I asked mm-hmm. why the wait. He says she was scared. I said, if she was scared, why didn't she leave after the first time? Why did she stay mm-hmm. through the night? And he said, mm-hmm. uh, there's, you know, there's not much we can do. It's just her word against his. Maybe get a restraining order, but, you know, the restraining order, if he's that angry that he's going to shoot at you, you know, might not stop him. So I, I can see mm-hmm. that she would be afraid. Um and then I asked, well, did she seem credible? He said, yeah. She told us, uh, she came in, told us, and, uh, you know, where the bullet would be. And he said it was right where she told us. He said, in my opinion, I, I believe her. Um, obviously, the arrest report is half the story. You know, we haven't been able to get DeAndre's side of the story. Um, but but this isn't, you know, your, your typical, you know, a, a guy got drunk or a player got into a fight at a bar. These are, these are serious allegations. Um, and anytime you're talking about the use of a firearm, everything is kind of amped up a notch or two. Right, right. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. So I, I don't think we'll see him again. But uh, obviously a, a story that will unfold here in the future. All right, let's, let's talk football. Uh, Believe it there or not, there's actually a on Saturday. Yeah, there's a game going on Saturday, and it can't come fast enough for the Gators. Uh, no Will Greer, so how in the world is Florida going to win this football game or any more football games this year? Because Will Greer's gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tran Harris, he didn't win many games in high school. He didn't win many games last year for Florida. Uh, fans never yeah. clamored for it to be tree on time, so Florida might just want to pack it up. Uh, forfeit the next six games. Don't don't accept the bowl invitation. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah. hit 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 sim mode on the rest of the season because that's it. Yeah, it's over. And move on to next year. <laughs> um, I, I think it's ridiculous. Trent Harris is a good quarterback. He's a gamer. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of people are making uh, a big deal of going into Death Valley. I'm excited to mm. see it. Uh, I'm not playing yeah. it. I'm excited to see what it's like. But they forget that Trayon walked into 100,000, 103,000 Tennessee fans last year, down nine to nothing, leads to scoring drives. Um, mm. You're familiar with the area that he went to school in in Miami. There's not yeah. too much on a football field that is going to rattle Trayon Harris. Uh, no, this is not going to be a problem. Not not going to be a problem no. from that standpoint. To, to me, in terms of, in terms of atmosphere, will, you know, LSU might no. be a different story, but the whole atmosphere thing not going to be a problem for Trayon. No, uh, to, to me, I think the reason why Will Greer won uh, the job to begin with is he's a little more accurate on those short to intermediate routes, and that's what mm-hmm. has been for his bread and butter. Jim McQueen's mm-hmm. done a good job of not putting guys in positions where he don't he doesn't think will be successful. That means mm-hmm. we don't think our offensive line is great. We're not going to ask them to block for five minutes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, while you throw a deep ball. I think Trent Harris has a stronger, more accurate arm throwing that deep ball, um, but that just hasn't been what Florida has been able to do well this year. You look at their big plays, and it's, you know, a seven-yard uh, in route to Antonio Callaway that he takes 77 more into the end zone. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's the big difference, but then also – with Treon, you get a more natural runner, a more elusive runner, and, and I think mm-hmm. it gives you an added an added element to the offense. Running, uh, you saw how Florida tried to get Ole Miss to run east and west, sideline to sideline, try to tire guys right. out. And, and, and on TV, Robert Kimdichie was sucking wind uh, for a right. lot of that game, and it, so it worked. And I think with Treon being able to run an option with Kelvin Taylor, the running backs, I think people. 
kind of slow down those two talented linebackers that LSU has mm. uh, in, in a pretty deep defensive line. Try to slow them yeah, down. Yeah, I think another tired. thing you get from Trayon uh, that you haven't mentioned is a more willingness to take the deep shots, probably throws a better deep ball. Um, he'll definitely do that. If he sees you one-on-one down the field, he's going to let it go, and it's probably mm-hmm. something – uh, receivers really, really like. Well, listen, I'm, I, you know, I'm not here to make friends, and I may ruffle some feathers because it seems easy to do that this week. Um, you know, talking about talking about Jonathan Bullard's one sentence, but I look at LSU, and they're on this pedestal. But as I go through this season so far, I don't know if we should be all that impressed. Maybe they come out like complete lions on a Saturday, and in which case I might have to eat some words. But I'm looking at this. Um, you gave up 21 to Auburn. Sure, he scored 45 points. Auburn's dreadful uh, defensively right now. And then they made yeah. several changes after that. You go to Syracuse and you're in a dogfight. You end up winning that game by 10 points, but that game was tight. You come back home to play an Eastern Michigan team that got clobbered 61 to nothing, I believe, last year by Florida. And you've got yeah. 22 points put up on you. And then last week, South Carolina, who's, you know, they, they were so bad, the beloved Steve Spurrier quit. And it's a forty. You give up twenty four points to those guys. This is a, this is an LSU team that if they're too sky high on themselves, if they're drinking a little bit too much of their Kool Aid, they can get a really mm-hmm. big eye opener here on Saturday. Would you agree with that? Uh, I do agree with that. You know, these teams. You know, uh, Syracuse does have a good run defense, um, but the other teams, there's no reason to give up that many points. Florida's Florida's defense has been handling business. They are the only team. In the uh, in the country, that has had at least two road games and not given up a touchdown yet. Um, mm. I, I think Leonard Fournette. I think I think LSU is probably the most one-dimensional team that isn't you know a triple option team that doesn't even care about throwing the ball. Uh, yeah, it does help that that one dimension is probably the best player in college football. Um, mm-hmm. But Leonard, Leonard Fournette's going to get his yards. He had 140 yards last year. But I also know that this Florida defense is prideful. They they were pissed um, with their tackling performance against Tennessee, and you really haven't seen anything like that, any kind of missed tackles, missed assignments since then. Um, I know that they are watching tape from last year. I know that they mm-hmm. weren't happy to give up 140 yards. I think it would be – too bold of a statement for me to make to say that they hold Leonard under 100 yards, but I think mm. if you can slow down that running game enough and make Brandon Harris beat you with his arm, that's mm. how Florida that's how Florida comes away with a win and, and moves to seven and zero. Yeah, I don't see them holding this young man um, under 100 yards rushing. He doesn't um, look I like think a young man. I know you met him out in Oregon too. He looked 30 when he was in high school. Yeah, he looks like he has kids that play for LSU, not that he's playing for LSU. So holding this guy under 100 yards is probably – not probably, it's not realistic. He's going to get over 100 yards. I think for Florida, if you could hold him at 150 and below, given the output they've had from that passing game, which is three games under 100 yards you know, total mm-hmm. passing, uh, then I think Florida is in a really good position to win this game. All right. Uh, We've talked a whole bunch here, and um, I appreciate all of the information, setting some things straight and getting us set up for this game against LSU, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chad. Talk to you later. All right, that's Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com. Tons of great information there, setting the record straight on the whole Will Greer story and giving us the latest on DeAndre Porter, the uh, latest Gators defensive back to probably see himself out of Gainesville. And then, oh, yeah, the game coming up on Saturday 
against LSU in Baton Rouge. All right, from Gators, we're going to head over to Florida State, and uh, they're feeling good in Tallahassee. They've uh, knocked off the Canes for the ninth time in 11 games. I don't think that's been done by either side in this matchup. So um, it's glow time for the boys in Tallahassee. Ain't that right, Bud Elliott? Yeah, and, and uh, Jimbo Fisher passes Urban Meyer for the uh, highest active career winning percentage. Uh, so n- nice, uh, nice little accolade there for, for Fisher and Tallahassee, uh, 63 and 11 uh, to his first 74 games as the head coach. Wow, outs- outstanding there, outstanding. Um, real quick, just out of left field, you've had some openings come up recently in college football. Would would Jimbo be a candidate for either one of those jobs? You know, I, I don't really think USC is attractive. Uh, you know, it's 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 a downgrade from from Florida State in pretty much every way. Uh, USC is always attractive, but I don't know. I mean, if you've heard Jimbo talk, he's very West Virginia twangy, and he speaks about 100 miles an hour. And, and I just don't know if he's a, a California fit. You know, now mm. if something like like LSU or Texas opened up, and they wanted to say, hey, we're, we're, you know, you make five million now. We're going to buy you out, and we're going to you know give you I don't know, let's let's break the bank and, and top Nick Saban money or something. You know we're going to give you nine million. Then maybe your ears mm. perk up. But I I think for right now, especially with the, with the unique buyout clause he has, where he actually has to pay out his assistants all the all the money remaining on their contracts, and a lot of those guys have multi year deals. Uh, I, it's going to be hard to get away from Tallahassee. Yeah, um, you know you know with the success Jimbo's having. Um, we don't know what other jobs are set to open up here. We can make a guess. Uh, there'll be several as they are at the end of every year. You'd have to think he's his name's going to turn up in a lot of those. So um, this will be this will be an ongoing story and one that'll just keep rearing its head um, as we as we go through the season and get to the end of the season. Well, let's talk about what happened last week. Uh, it was very difficult for me as a former University of Miami player and one who played defense to see Dalvin Cook rushed for 222 yards, even worse to see him do it on 22 carries. Was that output more Florida State? Was it more Miami, or is it uh, choice C, which is both? Well, I think it was it was some of both. Uh, Miami's DBs, and I know that's got to hurt you a little more, uh, they, they did not always act like they wanted to get off blocks and, and try and tackle Dalvin Cook. When, when he got to the mm-hmm. edge, that they – they did not do a very good job of, of tackling him on the edge, uh, and, and that's something they had to have because you knew the weakness for Miami was probably in the middle of that defensive line, and Florida State exploited that some, but I didn't think they'd be able to run on the edge quite as well as they did against Miami and Florida State receivers. You know, Irmon Lane didn't catch a bunch of balls, but he blocked his butt off, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that really helped spring Dalvin Cook a couple times. Travis Rudolph had some nice blocks, and Dalvin is Dalvin. You know, if, if you get him on the edge there and, and you don't have a guy in position and you, and you don't – you don't funnel him to your tackler. Uh, you're you're probably not going to catch that guy in the open field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you have expected this kind of output from um, from the rushing game against Miami? Is this what you were looking for, or would you have said uh, I expect them to get somewhere around 150? Or, or or did you go into this game thinking there's a pretty good chance here Florida State rush for over 200 yards in this game? In which case you're going to win. I thought there was a good chance they'd rush for over 200, but not on 22 carries. I, I mm-hmm. thought that they would do it, you know, maybe and rush the ball 40 times, try and control the clock a little more. Jimbo had been pay- had been playing at such a slow pace this year. I think they were 120th in the country in tempo leading into this game. They were only running like 55 plays a game. I think in this game they, they ran over 70. 
I thought over 200 was doable, but I did not think Dalvin was going to go for for 220 something on, on 22 carries. That's that's pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, tell me about it. Um, so you've I don't know how long you've been at Tomahawk Nation. I probably should know that, but uh, in your Star, time uh, watching my eighth season. All right. So, uh, you know, obviously if you're if you're if you're running that website, you've had to watch Miami a little bit more in- intensely because it's your job to report on it. But I'm assuming you've watched Miami for a longer period than that. What is if you had to break it down to two things, what's the what's the biggest problem with the University of Miami is you've watched them go up against Florida State here in, you know, at least the last eight matchups. I think personnel-wise, when is the last time Miami had a really good like duo of defensive tackles on the interior? Yeah, tough, I don't know tough that to give you, tough to give you that answer. Coach. Yeah, and, right. and so if you're able to consistently run the football between the tackles, that opens up everything else. And, and the other thing I think here just in watching Miami against FSU, Jimbo is a guy who takes the extreme long view. And sometimes that can bite him in the butt, like it did probably against NC State in 2012. You should have opened up the playbook a little more, scored a few more points. But he's certainly a guy who wants to hide stuff and wants to break it out for the big games. You know, he's four and one against Florida. He's, he's what, uh, six and zero against Miami now. He, mm-hmm. He's won every single one of his bowl games. He holds stuff close to the best and then breaks it out against him. That, that was the first time Chad they had run option all year. You know, that was right. the first time that, that the first time that Everett Golson had actually kept on his own read all year. So I, yeah, you know, I mean Jimbo's someone who Jimbo's definitely someone that I give props a lot of props to on his play calling. It's 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 quality stuff, no doubt about it. And that's me watching in the it big games. with a coach's eye. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes definitely. in the small games, he kind of you know, and I'm I'm watching. I'm like, all right, I want to criticize him at the same time. I, it's I've seen enough of Jimbo, and I'm kind of like, all right, well, he's just kind of mailing this one in. They don't want to show anything, and, and he's okay with taking a. a you know, a ten point win over Wake Forest or whatever. You know, even though I think it drives the fans nuts sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, no doubt about it. All right, listen. You had this big win right here against Miami. You've got a Louisville team that you got to take on this week. It's a Louisville team that many people expected to be better than they are now, but uh, it's a dangerous game for Florida State off of this big Miami win. What do we got to look out for for Florida State heading into the Louisville game? Very dangerous game. I mean, you, you have Florida State, which is the youngest team in the state. Uh, they, they just won a big rivalry game. Are they, are they going to sit back and, and read all their press clippings, or are they going to come in focused and uh, and, and take Louisville seriously? I, I tell you what, I think Louisville might be better than Miami. I know their record's not better, mm-hmm. but they their personnel, especially on defense, is, is very stout. Mm-hmm. FSU is not going to have anywhere near as easy of a time scoring points against Louisville as it did against Miami. And then they kind of have a unique challenge in in, uh, um, in the QB there, Lamar Jackson, who I know we both know. Look, Lamar Jackson is not a good quarterback yet, but he's a dangerous quarterback in that he's he's athletic enough to play receiver at one of the big three in the state. You know, he he's, has, has true like like four 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 five type stuff. And I know you know, I don't want to use four four because I know you have the website, and I agree with with you mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have a cannon too. So it, you remember, like, B.J. Daniels went to Tallahassee in 2009 and beat those guys just running running around like crazy and then throwing a couple deep bombs when, when guys guys got lost in coverage in the scramble drill. I think you're Florida State. You have to play conservatively on defense and make Lamar Jackson be consistently accurate in the underneath stuff. And, and you're betting, I think, that he can't do that over and over again because so far this year he's not shown that he can. And on offense, you got to continue the formula. No offensive turnovers for this team so far this year. 
that's nuts. They right. fumble two punts, but through five games, no turnovers. And what that means is, as an opposing offense, if you don't get the ball in turnover, you don't get short fields, and you got to go the entire length of the field against what's a fairly, you know, fairly talented defense. That's mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how concerned should we be though that Louisville is a team that uh, has has been very good in getting teams to turn the ball over? I mean, they've had two turnovers or more forced in in uh, I think four of their 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 five games they've played this season. So um, there's a chance we could turn the ball over. Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, we know that that turnovers have a strong luck element. You know, as much as as coaches want to preach, don't turn the ball over. There, there's some skill in not throwing interceptions. There's some skill. And not fumbling, but once that fumble hits the ground, it's pretty much anybody's ball game because it, it's not a round ball; it's an oblong ball, and it bounces funny. So you know, mm. you, you have to recognize if you're a Florida State fan, yes, they've done a good job of limiting turnover liability, but at the same time, there's also been some luck in that, and that luck is probably going to regress to the mean at some point, and you will have some turnovers. And, and I think if you're Florida State, you hope it doesn't come in this Louisville game. Yeah, because, you know, this Louisville team, though, they started off slow here. It looks like they're trying to gain a little bit of momentum. Let's talk about something that I know is a, a favorite topic for you and Florida State fans, especially over the last couple of seasons, and that is the rankings. Um, you're an undefeated team that uh, was a champion two years ago, played in the the inaugural playoff, college football playoff, and then you're back again and undefeated, but you're ranked 11th in the country. How do you and how do Florida State fans feel about being out of the top 10 as an undefeated football team uh, with a one-loss Alabama ahead of you? Well, I, I think Florida State fans are not taking it very well. Personally, I, I don't really care about it this much because I know that it, it, it's it's early October. You know, teams teams ahead of Florida State are, are, are going to lose. And let's be real here. Florida State scored one offensive touchdown against Boston College. And they won by 14, and they had a shutout, which is great. They, they won by a single score against Wake Forest, and they won by a single score against Miami. And Miami has some name value, but really a lot of that's been lost over the last decade. Does this team mm-hmm. really look like a team that could potentially win a national title? No, not yet. Now, the good thing is that they haven't lost, so they haven't actually squandered their chance to get there and potentially get better as the season goes on. But realistically – I think putting this team anywhere between like 7 and 14 or 15 is probably reasonable. And and so 11 is right in the middle of that. I, I don't really have an issue with it. But the fans yeah. certainly do. Well, last year, um, I mean, there was probably some real legit gripe there. You know, it's tough winning games, especially after winning a championship because everyone's coming for your head. This year, you're probably, I, you know, I'd fall in line with you. They just haven't been impressive. And there are a lot of undefeated teams at this point right now that are, you know, probably looking better. But, again, it doesn't. When When is when is the first poll that we need to care about? When's that come out again? Uh, November 4th, I think. They, they, this year they pushed it back a week, which I think is good. You really shouldn't have the pull, you shouldn't have the playoff stuff in October. Putting it in November gives you a solid you know, eight or nine-week base to, to, uh, to, to base your judgments on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the la- then listen, the later you could hold on to that thing, the better, obviously, because so many things shake and bake. Um, as the season goes on here and you get into the, you start getting to the woods that end and people's bunholes get tight as uh, as we've been known to say, mm-hmm. you know, teams start losing some games. They shouldn't, shouldn't lose. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Bob Stoops tends to do that. Um, anyway, as we roll down here, yeah, they should call it scenery instead of Clemson. Do you see that? Yo, Oh man. Where, where'd that come from? Uh, I think it was ESPN who said we should start calling it uh, Soonering instead of Clemsoning because of how Oklahoma seems to drop a dumb game every year. 
Hey, they've got they've got a point there. So we'll see how Bob Stoops feels about it. Maybe he'll get all his feathers ruffled up like Dabo Sweeney did. As you go down through the schedule now, we talked, you know, Louisville's a dangerous game. Um, what worries you the most with the remaining part of this schedule uh that that the that Florida State has in terms of in terms of, you know, try, and your quest for an undefeated season? Well, I, I think uh, first and foremost, you have to be worried that Clemson uh, doesn't seem to have had as big of a drop-off on defense as I think FSU fans were hoping they would after losing a lot of those guys in the NFL. They're, they're playing very good defense right now. You know, they held Notre Dame to the season low points there. They they held they held Georgia Tech very much in check. And they still have Deshaun Watson. And you have to figure that, that eventually Deshaun Watson is going to get it in gear and that offense is going to start clicking and scoring some more points. That's probably your toughest remaining game. I think Florida would be your second tough, you know, second toughest for any game. They are playing excellent defense. Obviously, they lose Will Greer, and you know that sucks. Like, like it, it sucks that in the NFL you're only gone for four weeks, but in college you're gone for a whole year. But that's kind of the way it is. With, with when the NCAA tests you, they don't play. Um, but still, right. that's going to be tough. We, we, we've seen Trayon Harris. He gave them you know, quite a game last year in uh, in, in Tallahassee, and if, if U.S. receivers can catch the ball. Uh, that they, they could have very well beaten Florida State last year, and the games in the swamp are, are never easy. That's probably your two. And I think your number three might actually be this weekend. Louisville is better than people think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a kind of a sleepy noon game. I don't know how well the crowd. You know, I don't know if the crowd's going to be quite as good as it was last week for Miami. But those are probably your three, three toughest remaining tests. Uh, I would have had Georgia Tech up there, which is next weekend, but basically everybody on Georgia Tech is hurt, and I have no idea who's going to be playing for them. Yeah. Yeah, um, they've been a disappointment, to uh, to say the least. So, but I guess you know if you you pile a win together, you you know you beat your in-state rival, and then you you get a a big win against Louisville. You know now Georgia Tech becomes a very dangerous game. So, um, it's tough getting through that schedule, man, and going undefeated. Uh, you know I don't I don't care who you are. So, uh, going to be interesting to see how this turns out this weekend and and going forward. As always, Bud, thanks for having you on, man. Appreciate it. All right, Chad, take care. Have a great weekend, man. All right, you too. Bud Elliott joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show from Tomahawk Nation, talking Florida State football. Uh, If you want information on Florida State football, uh, no one does it better than Tomahawk Nation. They break it down for you. Uh, They they do film study. They tell you what's coming up. They're Johnny on the spot with what's going on on and off the field there in Tallahassee. So TomahawkNation.com is where you want to go if you're a Florida State fan and you want information on Florida State football. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. 
For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! That's what some of these Big 12 teams have felt going up against the likes of Baylor and TCU as they just keep hammering out score after score after score. You know, some of these teams have just looked absolutely powerless in these games. Well, fans, screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups, limited in colors unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron, whether it's for your seven-on-seven team, your child's birthday party, of the family reunion, or you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at T-ShirtSupplies.com, you can design your own logos. You can put the wording, whatever you want. You can print it on the inkjet uh, inkjet printer, and it's sold by T-ShirtSupplies.com. You can iron it on with your own hand iron. The designs or pictures you put on your T-shirts are only limited by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at T-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your T-shirt. By the way, you don't worry even if you have to. If you've never done it before, T-shirt supplies has first-rate customer service. They will help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at T-shirtsupplies.com. That's T-shirt, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them now at 1-877-857-2737. Again, 1-857-85-PAPER, T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Get those shirts printed up. Uh, And don't pay a mint to do so. All right, listen, uh, talked about a lot of great things on the show today. We got some great matchups, some very exciting college football matchups coming up. Again, Michigan and Michigan State. Can Michigan State penetrate that impenetrable Michigan defense that's Served up three straight donuts. At least, you know, first let's see if Michigan State can score. Then let's see if Michigan State can win the game. Hope I didn't insult any Spartan fans out there. You've got Florida and LSU, big-time showdown in the SEC. Definitely looking to, to, to see can that vaunted Florida defense slow down, right, because no one stops Leonard Fournette. Can they can they slow down Leonard Fournette enough to walk out of there with a victory and remain undefeated? And then there's the whole Trayon Harris stepping in for Will Greer. We've got that storyline there. How will he perform in this game? Oh, that's 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 just one of the many storylines there. And you've got you got the big you've got another big SEC showdown that's probably sitting a little bit on the back burner this weekend. But it is Alabama and Texas A&M. Yeah, that matchup, that thing again. Texas A&M was probably the first team to really put a little chink in Alabama's armor 
when they had Johnny Manziel kind of open people's eyes to uh, some things and uh, as, and ways to attack Alabama. So can Alabama go into Texas A&M? They are four-point favorites in this game. Can they go into into good old College Station and defeat the 12th man and the Texas A&M Aggies? The odds makers seem to think they're going to do so. Another another game to watch out for, Georgia. Uh, disappointing loss last week against Tennessee, and uh, more disappointing than that loss was the loss of Nick Chubb for the season. Can Georgia get back on their feet and come out fighting and take out Missouri, who themselves lost a home game to Florida last week? Georgia's a big 16-point favorite. That's a huge number for that game. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Uh so, you know, that's another game to keep your eye on this weekend. For the locals down here, University of Miami coming back home to uh, face Virginia Tech after the loss to Florida State. Much has been said about how Miami has performed after the losses to Florida State, which they've been about four or five in a row here. Uh, usually it's meant the season has been a disaster afterwards. Uh, what Miami team will show up here, one ready to fight or one to say, listen, uh, we think our season's over, we couldn't beat Florida State. I'm saying it's too early in the season for that thought process. It's your first, you know, conference game that you've lost. You've not played a game in your half of the division. And, you know, if you turn things around or you turn the heat up here, you can face that Florida State team again. And, you know, it's a team you almost beat. Despite what you did defensively, which was give up 500-plus yards, you get in another game with them. You'd have to think, you'd have to hope you wouldn't give up 500-plus yards again. Uh, USC and Notre Dame, we touched on that a little bit. USC uh, in flux with their whole uh, head coach situation. What mindset do they take out to South Bend as they face Notre Dame? Notre Dame already sitting with a loss this season, not trying to get another one. That's going to be a war, uh, definitely a game for us to watch. And then Penn State and Ohio State. Now, you know, the beginning of the season, you wouldn't have said much about this game. Penn State's trying to build it up. Ohio State's sitting atop the mountain as the defending champs. But there's no doubt about it, Ohio State struggled to look dominant in their games. And to that point, they've not covered a game versus the point spread five straight. They covered the first game against Virginia Tech in which um, there was a little bit of problem in doing that. Since then, uh, Ohio State's not been able to live up to the the betting odds, let's say, as they've gone through the season, as they've failed to cover five straight games. What are they bringing to Penn State who um, has coughed up you know, five straight wins in themselves uh, looked impressive last week against Indiana, and they're starting to look like a stronger team. Is this is can this game be a problem for Ohio State? Um, so that's certainly something to keep your eye on. And again, uh, programming note: we will have our Football Friday edition of the show tomorrow. Emil and I will go through all of the top matchups again, so we'll talk a little bit more about this matchup and the other ones discussed on the show today, and then also give you our top picks, which we're doing quite, quite well, I will add. We're doing very, very well in our college football picks. We'll also have our NFL picks, who have heated up lately, uh, not doing quite as well as college football, but we do, and we'll have um, our top NFL picks for tomorrow, too. I'm also going to talk some high school football uh, lots of fun football Friday. We always have fun here on the Gridiron Stud Show, but we do have the football Friday show tomorrow getting you set up 10 a.m. Make sure that you are here to listen to that. So uh, looking forward to doing that show as we do, uh, as I look forward to doing every show. But I love I love the football Friday show, so don't miss out on that. If you tuned into today's show, plenty of uh, information there for you. And uh Lots of fun doing this one. If you like the Gridiron Stud Show, as I always say, tell a friend about it. Stop. Don't don't keep it quiet. Hang your head out the window and tell everyone you love the Gridiron Stud Show and where they can come to listen to some good talk 
uh, on high school, college, and NFL football. So uh, our time's up here today. Again, we're back on tomorrow at 10 a.m. You don't want to miss that. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you for making this a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For my guest, Nick De La Torre and Bud Elliott, uh, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay. Can you picture what will be so- To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.